Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 12, I'm going to look at uh, the story of Palm Sunday. Somebody say Palm Sunday. Oh, man, if we, if we were in the Catholic Church. How many people have been in the Catholic Church? Okay? So I was born into the Catholic Church. If we were in the Catholic Church, we would be doing a whole lot of stuff today. Uh, about Palm Sunday, even in some Methodist churches, Presbyterian churches, uh, Lutheran churches. Uh, I'm not going to make y'all wave branches today. Uh, we, we're not, we're not going to burn any branches and prepare for Ash Wednesday uh, next year. But we are going to look at what the Bible has to say about this incredible day in John and in Matthew. In John chapter 12, 12, the Bible says, the next day. The news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A huge crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Israel. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Similar story. Matthew recorded in Matthew 21 and 1 says, As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Listen to what he told them in verse 2. Go into the village over there, he said, and you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them here. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, The Lord needs them. And he will immediately send them. This was done to fulfill the prophecy. Tell the people of Israel, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, even a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus said. They brought the animals to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road ahead of Jesus, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. He was in the center of this procession. All the crowds around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was stirred as he entered. Who is this, they asked. Verse 21 said, and the crowds replied, It is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I want to preach to you this morning from a question. Are you ready for Jesus to show up? And I'm going to hesitate. You know, normally I would already turned around and be praying by now. But I'm going to hesitate, and I want to ask you, for real, are you ready for Jesus to show up? Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together. Lord, I thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for your, your spirit who lives inside us, God. I pray by your spirit now you'd be our teacher from your word. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me to say what you would have me to say and give us ears to hear you today. Lord, I pray for those who come into this place that, that are hurting, that are dealing with issues, God. I pray that you would allow us a special 
focus right now. Allow us to focus on your word and bring healing, God. I pray that you would save the lost, deliver the backslider, heal the hurting in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you ready for Jesus to show up? Most time when people in this uh, generation, this time of the world that we're living in, talk about Jesus showing up, they're talking about the, the different terms that theologians use, the rapture. They're talking about the second coming of Christ. They're talking about eternity. I'm glad that Jesus is coming back. He said when he left that I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. He said, don't worry, I'm going to the Father to prepare a place for you, but I will come back and get you. And I'm excited that God's prepared a place for me. I'm excited that one day Jesus is coming back for me. But I want to tell you, I live in a very real world. I live in a world where bills are due. I live in a world where people are crazy. I live in a world where I have to drive on 103rd Street and Blanding Boulevard. I live, I live in a very real world, and some of the times all that far-off stuff can, can sound like pie in the sky and a sweet by and by. And I want to tell you something. I personally need help for the nasty now and now. Eternity's covered. Eternity is, is for sure. If you're saved, you're going to be in heaven forever. If you're not saved, please get saved before you end up in hell forever. But in the process of waiting on uh heaven I, I need the lord to show up now somebody say now i need god to show up not in our life to, oh the lord is coming back in this generation god is going to break through the eastern skies yes he is god is going to send back god going to tap jesus on the shoulder and all that preaching uh, that jesus is coming back that's cool i believe that i live on that people say pastor scott do you really believe that Jesus is coming back one day soon. My honest answer is, I'm surprised that he hadn't come back already. Yes, I believe that he's going to come back soon. But when I got saved on July 15th, 1981, and I started listening to what they were saying in the church, I thought, man, he must be getting ready to come back now. Because they were talking about him, him reaching down into the gutter to save people. They were talking about once that last person gets finally saved, we're going to step out into eternity. I'm thinking, I had to have been last. I mean, he came all the way down and got me. We must be. I've been waiting on this process of the Lord coming back for almost 40 years. Now, I'm not saying I'm tired of waiting. And I agree with the great apostle that we're nearer than when we first believed. If it was true 2,000 years ago that the Lord is coming back one day soon, if it was true for me 38 years ago that one day the Lord is coming back soon, we're closer now. I'm 38 years closer to eternity than I was when I got saved. We're closer to heaven now than we were yesterday. All that is great. I believe in all that. But in the meantime and between time, I need God to show up in my life today. Can five people say amen? All right, so I want you to get your mind together about the Lord showing up. One of the reasons why we gather together on Sunday uh, is because the Bible commands us to. The Bible commands us not to, uh, not, not to forsake the gathering together of ourselves. The Bible commands us to gather together to celebrate, to worship, to praise, uh, to, to bring our tithes and offerings, to have communion with each other. Uh, we come together on Sunday for a lot of different reasons. One of those reasons is because the Bible says that God gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to teach us, to guide us, to help bring us into maturity 
and we need to learn some stuff. Look at somebody say, learn some stuff. So we need to learn some stuff this morning. One of the things that we've already learned here through the years, and I tell you consistently, the Bible says of itself, we have these stories for our what? We have these stories for our examples. So we need to read these stories uh, for the purpose of learning about God, learning about how God dealt with people then, because how he dealt with them then is how he's still dealing with them now. It's so funny. I hear people say all the time, oh, Pastor Scott, I'm glad I'm a New Testament Christian. And not an Old Testament believer because in the New Testament, God's about all that mercy and grace. And in the Old Testament, God was about all that wrath and justice. I want to tell you something. God hasn't changed at all. The Old Testament God is the same as the New Testament God. And in the Old Testament, God said of himself that he was slow to anger, quick to forgive, ready to pardon, and full of mercy. And in the New Testament, God still says all sin must be punished. So there, there is no difference because, listen, God is the same people i hope you understand and believe that today the bible says god never changes so as we study these stories we can see the examples of how god was then because i'm gonna keep telling you if you want to know what would jesus do read the gospels you'll find out he's still doing what he was doing then because he never changes so we read these stories we have these stories for our example and i tell you this phrase all the time if you want what others had you gotta what do what they did to get it. If you want what others had, you got to do. That's good in every area of life. You want, you want a good marriage? Do what other people with a good marriage do to keep their marriage good. You, 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 want, you want to lose some of all this right here and not be so comfortable? Listen, I told y'all, don't send me no diet tips. I'm comfortable in my fat. I've made peace with my fat. I, I'm, I'm 228 pounds of cuddly. I've made peace with all of it. From the head to the toe. I'm, I'm going to keep telling y'all. Some of y'all, y'all out there on that track running, bad for your knees. People are like, well, Pastor Scott, you know, the body's the temple of the Holy Ghost, and we're commanded to take care of it. That's why I'm not running. Bad for the knees. I used to say I did all my running in the Army, which I did a lot of running in the Army. I used to say that the only way I run now is if a dog was chasing me. I'm past that. Come on, Fido. I'll kick you in the teeth. <laughs> I, I, bad for the knees. I'm tearing up the temple out there. Um, well, how are we on fat? If you want what others have, see, somebody's listening. Hallelujah. If you want what others have, hey, if you want to get all, uh, listen, if you want bumps in your stomach, if you want ripples in your stomach, uh, then you got to find somebody that's got some and do what they did to get it. Amen. I give you a hint. If, if listen, everybody ain't built to be six foot two, two hundred twenty pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. Now, if you want to know how to how to how to be cute and cuddly, uh, some of y'all's body built for speed, mine built for comfort. I'm good on the couch. If, if you want to know how to, how to just be cute and cuddly, I'll tell you. Keep a box of Cheez-Its next to your recliner. We sitting there last night watching TV. Jake's like, "Hey, Dad, any Cheez-Its left in that box?" I had to pause real quick and think, do I want to admit the truth or do I want to lie? 17-year-old boy's about to get in my Cheez-Its. All the donuts, his brother ate all the donuts uh, that morning. I got an empty box of donuts sitting on the counter. Anybody ever had a kid in their house? What good is an empty box of donuts sitting on the counter? Throw that away. Get that out of my vision. Depressing me. Listen, if you want, hey, if you want to be bigger, all you got to do is do what other people did to get there. Amen? Listen, it's easier to be bigger than it is to have those rump ripples in your stomach. Amen? 
Whatever it is you want in life. If you want to be successful, do what other successful people did to be successful. You want to, you want to have a good relationship with God, do what other people did to have a good relationship with God. I told you I need God to show up in my life. If you want God to show up in your life, you got to do what other people did. And we see this. See, this is my favorite passage of Scripture to talk about. This is my favorite message all year long. We're going to have fun next week on Easter, but, man, Palm Sunday. See, Easter, I celebrate Easter every day. Easter I celebrate every day. I thank God for resurrection every day. But Palm Sunday always reminds me that there's something that I have to do before he shows up in front of me. It reminds me that there's something, there's a process. That's why the title, Are You Ready for Jesus to Show Up? There's a process of getting him to come into our life. And we're going to look at that process this morning. I really hope that you want him to show up, not just in heaven one day, but in your life right now. Think about how much better our, our world would be if the Lord showed up in a big way in our world. Think about how much better our neighborhoods would be, our kids, our relationships, our world. Uh, that's all on a big level. Listen, people trying to change the world, let me, give you, let me give you a hint real quick. Let God change you first. People trying to do something big, that's awesome. Do something big. Have big dreams. Have big goals. Have big vision. Believe in a big God to do big things. But start with some small changes that you need to make. I've met so many people, pastoring over all these years, who really believed and told me that God had given them a global ministry, an international ministry. And I'm just thinking in the back of my mind, could you just start with reading your Bible more than once a month? Mm, I'm going to keep going because y'all didn't like that at all. Listen, today we celebrate Palm what? Palm Sunday. It's also called the Sunday of the Passion. It's the last Sunday in Lent. Boy, Catholics are happy about that. Um, so you say, we well, shouldn't talk about Catholics. I was born into the Catholic Church. According to the Pope, I'm still Catholic. Do y'all know that? If you were ever a Catholic, I mean, it's, it's like being in a gang. You don't quit. They don't let you out. You call yourself a born-again Christian if you want to. They've got a, a, a christening record. They keep that. They, they've got that written down in, 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 in the, in the uh, Vatican somewhere. Your name's on a piece of paper. Scott Christopher Becker was christened uh, sometime in the first 10 days of his life in 1963. They hung a little necklace, a little St. Peter's necklace on my neck, told me I'd be Catholic forever. So don't tell me I can't be. Hey, I know, anybody else know about being Catholic? Anybody glad you're saved and more saved than Catholic? Okay, let's understand that. I'm not here to, to, to promote religion, but I, I am here to tell you that uh, in the Catholic world, Lent is a big deal. You know why? Talk to one of your Catholic friends about how glad they are uh, at the end of this week. Lent's going to be over. They can go back to cussing. <laughs> Lent's going to be over. They can go back to getting drunk. Lent's going to be over. They go back to not reading the Bible and skipping church. Oh, they had to go to church during Lent, you know, because that's them 40 days, man. You got to get your act together. Uh, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, once you move past religion and you get into a relationship, you find out all that stuff's better to be left alone anyway and let God change you every day. Amen? But it's a big time of the year for Christians in different uh, denominational groups around the year. It's the, the, today is the... Uh, Holy Sunday, it's the, the beginning of the Passion Week uh, when, when Christ went through all that he went through to do all that he did. It's the last week in the Lord's earthly ministry ending with his death and burial on Good Friday and his resurrection on Easter Sunday. 
Uh, there'll be people stopping by church every day. This week has been talked about. It has been dissected. What did Jesus do specifically on each one of these days of the week? It's a huge week. It, it, it commemorates biblically the week where Jesus rides in to Jerusalem uh, to prepare for the last few days of his life. It's, that's what Palm Sunday starts, so we're starting, say start. This week we call Holy Week or Palm Sunday or Holy Week is so important to God that three of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, devote one-third of their contents just to the events of this week. It's so big to God that the fourth gospel writer, St. John, devotes a half of his whole book just to the events of this one week. Holy Week that starts on uh, Palm Sunday, commemorating today, and ends on Easter is big. Say big. Here we get, see Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a colt. That's a, that's a, small, uh, a, a smaller donkey. It's the fulfilling of the prophecy in Zechariah 9.9. Listen, listen to what had been prophesied that Messiah would do. And if you really want to wonder, is Jesus the Messiah? To just look up all the Old Testament prophecy and realize nobody could have pieced this together in the natural. Uh, I, I'll just give you one. The Bible says that Messiah would be born of a virgin. Well, that led out every other dude in the history of the world. Uh, and I already told y'all, my, my, every time I can't hardly think about the Virgin Mary without thinking about my dude. My dude, Joe, my, Joseph was a believer. You think you believe in God for miracles in the future? You think you believe in God to heal your bad back? You think you're a strong Christian because you believe God enough to come to Sunday? This brother believed that his girlfriend hadn't been with no other man when she was bumped out pregnant. Nobody, I can't, I don't know any man that ever believed his woman more than that. Because let me just tell you, dude, something. Uh, she comes up pregnant, and you know it ain't you. And she says, oh, I haven't been with any, this is the Lord did this to me. Huh, find a new woman. This is a one-off, amen. This is a one-time thing. Jesus is the only qualified Savior. But there's so many different prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. One of them we see here in Zechariah 9.9, and it said, Rejoice greatly, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He's righteous and victorious, yet he's humble, riding on a donkey, even a donkey's colt. Now, you could say, oh, well, Jesus knew that prophecy, so he pieced it all together. Listen, the, uh, in natural, it wouldn't be possible to get all this stuff done. And this was something that people have been watching because the Jews, they knew the Scripture. They knew the prophecy of what to look for as to who Messiah would be. This is why they reject Jesus. You wonder why Jews don't accept that Jesus Christ is Messiah? Because they know what Messiah has to do. When they saw born of a virgin, check. When, when they saw that he died without a bone being broken, check. When they saw that he was um, condemned to die, he didn't open his mouth to justify himself, check. Uh, when they saw all these different things, when they saw him riding in on a donkey, listen, Jews didn't mess with donkeys. Jews didn't mess with unclean animals. The fact that their Messiah was going to get on a donkey, they were watching that. Well, what kind of king would ride on a donkey? Real kings ride on horses. They knew that. 
So they were like, oh, this is going to be something big to watch. We ever have somebody claiming he's our king, he's our Messiah, he's going to set up rule. Uh, we, we got to see him riding in on the check. Well, why don't the Jews accept that Jesus is Messiah? Because the one check box that he did not do to meet their grade was he did not reestablish the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem and set up Jewish rule throughout the whole world. That's why they don't accept Jesus as Messiah. Because they say, well, he did a lot of things. He checked a lot of boxes, but he sure couldn't have been Messiah because Messiah comes to be the Jewish king over all the world. Messiah comes to reestablish the throne of David in the city of our God and to put all the oppressors under our feet so that God's people will reign on top. And because he hasn't done that yet, they decided that Jesus is not the Messiah. Note what I said, he hasn't done that yet. If you read the rest of the story, you'll find out that Jesus is still going to reestablish the throne of David in the city of our God. Jesus is still going to establish Jewish rule in the city of Jerusalem and rule over all of the earth. They think because he died without doing that, that it disqualified him from being their Savior. I hope that you have faith, confidence, and assurance to know even though this man we call Jesus did die on what we refer to as Good Friday. He also rose from the dead, and he is coming back, and he will establish the throne of David in the city of our God. But, but he comes, and, and they, they have this prophecy in Zechariah 9 saying he's going to come humble, riding on a donkey. Listen, the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Be, being born, what, what kind of king is born in, in, a, in a cave, in a feeding trough, our king. What kind of king rides in, not even on a full-grown donkey, on a, on a little donkey with his feet almost dragging the ground? What kind of king? Our king. What kind of king doesn't do exactly what we thought he was going to do because he does things his own way? Our king. I hope that you know that we serve a God who is a great God that's got it all figured out. God's got it all figured out. But the people here, the people are thinking, oh, wow, this man is Messiah. He's born of a virgin. He's from the, the tribe of Judah. He checked all the boxes. Here he comes doing exactly what Zechariah the prophet said he was going to do. They're excited. But let me tell you something. The reason they were excited is because they wanted help from their present situation. Now, I want you to think about you. What, what, if, if I could just wave a magic wand over you right now and I could help you in your present situation, change your back pain, change your crazy children, cha cha change your whacked up spouse, change whatever it is you want, change, change your finances, cha cha change your bunions, whatever it is you want help with, uh, if I could wave and change your right now situation or I could say you could have your right now situation changed or you could have paradise in heaven forever with Jesus, which one would you want? You say that, but which one do we really focus on and stress on? How am I going to pay my car note? Quit hiding it in the garage. Let the repo man get it. He's going to get it eventually. He ain't giving up. They're going to turn off my lights. Ah, well, that's okay. You know, the sun's shining longer this time of year anyway. We get so freaked out about, man, I hope we're past the cold days. That's one of the things I love about springtime in Florida. I hate the cold. I live here by design. I hope we don't never see another day in, in the 40s 
uh, especially in the 30s. I don't even like the 50s. But anyway, let me keep, let me keep going. We, we're so determined to get help in our right now, we need to realize the greater part is the big time, the big picture, eternity. But see, they were so hurting. It's hard for hurt people to see past today. You realize that? It's hard for people who are going through to see past their issue. It's hard for people who are dealing with stuff that is, is breaking them for them to even concentrate past this week. I don't care what you're going through. If you really believe. See, they wanted Jesus to show up and, and heal there right now. They were tired of Romans telling them what to do. They were tired of being on the bottom and the oppressor being on the top. They were tired of God haters ruling over them. And they wanted more than anything for their Messiah to come to fix their current situation. I got great news for you. If you trust him and hold on, he'll fix your current situation. Uh, I, I got I got deeper truth for you. It might not be till you get to heaven, but soon and very soon we're going there anyway. So it's going to get better one day. Can you believe God for that? They wanted they 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 wanted him. See, they were greeting him as an earthly king because they they wanted the Roman occupation to end. They were greeting him as an earthly king because they wanted Jerusalem to be a Jewish city again. They greeted him as an earthly king because they wanted to be on top. If you serve God because you want to be on top, you don't realize how great God is. If you serve God just for the blessing, you don't realize how great God is. You ought to serve God just because he's good. Amen? You ought to serve God just because he's faithful and true and he's done more for us at Calvary than he ever had to do. But here we see them in the story. They're shouting, Hosanna. In other translations, in our translation, they, 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 they were shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In other translations, they were shouting, Hosanna, which means save us. So they, they were, they, they're shouting, Hosanna to the king. And what they were asking for was salvation. Everyone in this room needs salvation. And when churches talk about salvation, they're typically talking about eternity. They're talking about get saved so that you can go to heaven forever. And I'm thankful for eternal salvation. I'm thankful for heaven. I'm thankful for resurrection through the new birth. Uh, but I need saving today. Y'all can't follow me on that. I, I, you, you See, salvation, if you study the Bible, salvation is a three-tenths process. You, you, if you're saved, here's what it means. You got three aspects of salvation. You've been saved from, from, from the power of sin or, or from the penalty of sin. You've been saved from the penalty of sin. Today, July 15, 1981, I, I've been saved since then from the penalty of sin. I'm being saved, the Bible says, every day from the power of sin over my life. Listen, I'm not sinless and neither are you, but hopefully we all sin less. That's part of growing as a Christian. So I've been saved, I'm being saved, and ultimately the Bible says one day we will be saved from the very presence of sin. So here, here there, there's a past tense aspect to your salvation. That's when you got saved. There's a future tense aspect of your salvation. That's when it's all going to manifest in eternity. But in your present tense salvation, which is the same Greek root word for the, our word deliverance, salvation and deliverance are very same. You're like, oh, Pastor, I don't need to be saved. I accepted Jesus. I walked the aisle and prayed a prayer and, and all that. Uh, okay, you've been saved, but are you being saved from your sin, from yourself, from your circumstance? Is your salvation manifesting 
on a daily basis. They weren't looking at anything in the future. They weren't looking at the big picture. They were looking for God to save them right now. They wanted a deliverer, but they didn't want a deliverer that they had to bow to to get them to heaven. They wanted a deliverer that would do their bidding. And the world hasn't changed that much in 2,000 years because most churches, most Christians, and most pastors are preaching a message, hearing a message, and repeating a message that makes God their chump. You didn't understand that. Makes God their genie in a bottle. Makes God their step and fetch it. Makes a, when, when you start hearing preachers say, you got to remind God of his promises. You got to hold God accountable. Uh, they, they just believe that God is their step and fetch it. They just believe that God is to be told what to do as if God forgot his promises and can't be trusted to do what he said he would do. I thank God that he does stuff for me right now. But I'm, 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 way, I'm way more excited, I'm way more thankful that the other side is taken care of. Once you realize the other side is taken care of, then you can start getting some help now. They weren't eternally focused. They were right now focused. And I know there are people in the room that are right now focused. If, if, if God showed up and said, what do you want me to do for you? Uh, heaven wouldn't be enough right now. You need some relief from some present day situation. Well, here's, here's the good news and the bad news. If all you want God to be is your step and fetch it, fix it, rabbit, that's not going to work for you. But if you accept God for who he is, the eternal king, the risen Lord, if you accept God uh, for the only true and living God, not only will he give you eternity in heaven, but if you'll do the things he said, because remember what he said, I set before you a choice, a choice to be blessed or a choice to be chastised. If you do right, You'll get right. So the good news is you can have help here in the present and you can have help in the eternity. But this morning I want to talk to you about preparing yourselves for the coming of the Lord now. Say now. Sure, he's going to come back, but I want him to show up now. I want him to show up in his church now. I want him to show up in my life now. I want him to show up in my family now. I want him to show up in my finances now. And in our text we see Jesus making what theologians call the triumphant entry into Jerusalem and and I want us to see some key things about this passage so we can see how to prepare for his entrance because I told you he's consistent he never changes how he did it then is how he'll do it now how he came then is how he'll come now so let's see some cool things about this first Palm Sunday first thing I want you to notice here's a double negative for you here's a grammatical issue he didn't tell them not to call him king if he didn't tell them not to call him king, some grammar uh, person clean that sentence up and say he told them to what? Call him king. Uh, to that, that, that double negative usually is not necessary, but here it is emphatic. He didn't tell them not to call him king. The reason it's emphatic is because he had spent his entire ministry telling them, shh. He had spent his entire ministry telling them, don't tell anybody. He had spent his entire ministry being God walking in the flesh, the physical, visible image of the invisible God. He had, he had spent his entire ministry doing miracles and great things and telling people, shh, it's not time for that yet. He downplayed all the big stuff that he did. But listen, that time is over, say over. He's not downplaying who he is anymore. And this starts now, say now. You need to let this start.
start now in your life because most people who claim the name of Christ, most people who swear to be Christians, most people who would say, I'm saved, I'm born again, I'm a Christian, are yet and still living in a pre-Palm Sunday mindset. And we've got to get out of a pre-Palm Sunday mindset. What is a pre-Palm Sunday mindset? It's a mindset that says, I don't have to shout about every good thing God does. But a post Palm Sunday mindset says it's now time to open our mouths and to shout and let the world know who this Jesus is. Because up until this time, during his entire ministry, he's been telling people, shh, don't, don't tell it. Remember in Matthew chapter 8, the leper, the leper came to him and said, I know that you can heal me. Jesus healed him. And in Matthew 8, 4, Jesus said, see that you tell no one. See that you tell no one, but go your way. Show yourself. Listen, most of us can't find a dollar in, on, on the side of the road without telling anybody. I mean, mo, mo, most of us celebrate. Any, any, now, hold on. Let me tell you all something. Because I had somebody tell me one time uh, that God had really blessed them. Now, I thank God. Tell it. Tell the story for God's glory. The more you brag on them, the more what? He'll give you to brag on him about. You got to brag on God for him to give you more to brag on him about. But listen, you got to brag on him for the right stuff. Amen? Had somebody tell me, oh, Pastor Scott, God was looking out for me today. God was blessing me today. I, I, I gave him a 10 at the drive through window at McDonald's. They gave me change for a 20. Ain't God good? <laughs> yeah, God's good, but you're a thief. Oh, no, no, they gave it to me. Uh, that girl made a mistake. Her drawer is short. She might get fired. You better drive back up there and get that girl that change back. Uh, we, we've got to give God glory for what he's doing. Make sure it's what he's doing, though. Amen? So uh, the, the, he tells this, this leper, though, he, he, he didn't say, go tell my story. Go tell everyone. No, he, shh. He said, mm, see that you tell no one. Think about the blind man in Mark 8, 25. Uh, uh, Jesus heals this man. And in verse 26, a after Jesus heals this man, uh, he, he said, He sent him away to his house saying, Neither go to the town nor tell anyone in the town. Man, could you imagine? Okay, you've gone from being blind. I don't think he had to tell too many people. I mean, that tells a story without a word, amen? Uh, it, but Jesus told him, no, nah, no, nah, man, don't, don't go broadcasting my business. You be healed, you keep that to yourself. Jesus was operating differently before Palm Sunday than he is during and after Palm Sunday. Think about the little girl he raised from the dead in Mark chapter 5. This girl, uh, he, he, he brings her back to life and everyone's overcome with great amazement in verse 43 it's the bible says but he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and he said give her something to eat uh i'm gonna tell you something now <laughs> i thank god because most of y'all couldn't hold water amen thank god you wasn't in this pre uh palm sunday deal most of y'all anybody know pastor i just can't keep a secret don't tell me one elbow that person you're sitting next to and say you should have raised your hand you you know you can't hold water these people were told oh yeah don't tell anybody i raised your daughter from the dead what what man we we get to work on time we put listen let me stop putting your food on facebook 
Man, we, we, get, we get a nice-looking plate of food at a restaurant. You see people posting it. What are you doing? Facebook post. Just finished vacuuming. Going to wash the dishes. Ain't nobody studying you that hard. Nobody cares what you're doing in your house. Get off that craziness. Oh, my followers. Okay, let me keep moving. You're driving me crazy. I don't know, lost my train of thought now. We tell everything now. You got to let somebody know you just finished vacuuming. I mean, well, probably a miracle if you ain't done it in five years, amen. But you got to put this type of minutia out there to the public. Imagine if Jesus had cured your blindness. Imagine if Jesus raised someone in your family from the dead, and he's like, let's keep that on the hush. There was a time where he was keeping it on the hush, but some of y'all are living in the wrong time. Say wrong time. Some of y'all have allowed God to do good things for you, and and you're acting like a pre-Palm Sunday existence is still going on. I want to tell you something. That hush time is over. He, he He took the lid off on Palm Sunday. There was a time when he flew beneath the radar, but those days are gone. Jesus is not telling us to not call him king anymore. Jesus is not telling us to keep quiet what he's done for us anymore. We need to do what the songwriter said to do, and we need to go shout it on the mountaintop. We need to let all the world know he saved me, he changed me, he helped me, he loved Does anybody know God done something for you? You got to learn how to open up your mouth. And let the world know. Uh, the next thing I want you to see is the, the things that they did. Say things. If you want what others have, you got to do what they did to get it. They did four specific things in this passage. They did four specific things to prepare for him to come in to their city. They did four specific things for, for them to prepare a pathway for the Lord's entrance. And if it worked for them then, it'll work for us now. Number one thing they did, if you're taking notes, Write this down or listen to this. They laid something down. Say, lay it down. In our text in Matthew 21, 8, the Bible says that a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. One version said they laid their coats down in front of him. Get the picture. Here comes Jesus. Now, Jesus knows what's up. Jesus knows that he's going. He even told his followers, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Uh, to there be crucified, but on the third day, I'll rise again. Do you know they forgot all that? They've been telling them that for, for over a year and a half now. He's been telling them, and he told them the week before. He's like, look, here's the deal. Next week we're going into Jerusalem, and they, they're going to kill me. But chill out, because on the third day, I'll rise from the dead. They forgot all that. They didn't piece none of this together. You're like, man, they must be dumb. Welcome to the club. How many of you realize that you've forgotten things that God has shown true in your life? How many of you realize that you've forgotten things that you once were told? How many of y'all realize that you've forgotten things that you know are in the Bible? Uh, it's not what new information we need to learn. It's the truth that we've received that we need to hold on to. If you're coming to Wednesday night Bible study, uh, you, you found that out this past week. But here comes Jesus. Uh, they're, they're excited. They, they're not excited for all the right reasons, but listen. Uh, you you got to get excited. Some, some of y'all going through life just existing. You're not living. There's a big difference. I've done both. Uh, I, I, I've, I've, I've had times in my life where I was living. I've had times in my life where I was just existing. Living is more fun. Somebody say amen. 
Not only is it more fun, it's what God designed you to do. If all you're doing is getting up on Monday to go to work so you can get up on Tuesday and go to work, that's existing. If you are enjoying your life, if you are thriving, if you are growing in your relationship with this amazing God, uh, that is living. But these people, they're, they're just living from moment to moment. Right now they're caught up in the moment because what they think that God is going to do for them. And so they're celebrating. Here comes their king and all they're thinking, that's right, kill all those Romans. Do it my way. I need everybody in the room to understand something. God is not going to do it our way. Y'all know what's coming next? Drill Sergeant Robinson. Man, when I was at Fort Dix, New Jersey, in, in, in basic training for the United States Army, I had the most awesome drill sergeant in the history of the world. He told us uh, uh, 20 times a day on minimum. This ain't Burger King. Sometimes he'd finish the speech and let us know, you ain't going to have it your way. You're going to have it the United States Army way. You're going to believe it, believe, have it my believe, 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 way. Okay, dog, it ain't Burger King. There's a speaker there. Hallelujah. Uh, God is not going to do it our way. God has his way. They wanted it. They were trying to celebrate on their own purpose, so it didn't last long for them. But we got to do better, say better. They spread their, they're laying their coats down in front of the Lord. Some, some of y'all watch those old movies where the gentleman would lay his jacket down for the lay. Listen, I believe in equality. Your feet can get just as muddy as mine. <laughs> they lay that thing down. Uh, and they, were lay, they were spreading their coats down in front of a donkey that they viewed as unclean. They weren't putting their coat down. Jesus' feet wasn't touching them coats. What he was riding on was touching those coats. But these people were looking to show an expression. They were laying something down. Uh, they did it as an act of surrender. Say surrender. Now, you've all heard, uh, most of us heard the expression that clothes make the man. That, that's not a modern-day expression. People have been believing that forever. People have been be believing, look how special I am. Look what I'm wearing. It's not what you're wearing on the outside. The Bible says man looks on the outward, but God sees the inside. But they, 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 they knew then, they felt then what so many people feel now, that their clothes are their prized possession. Their clothes help make them somebody. Their Listen, just because you're wearing big don't mean you're living big. I'll give you a hint. If you're charging your clothes on a credit card, you just broke as a joke. You ought to be charging at Walmart. You pay those off faster than the ones you charge at Dillard's. I'm just trying to help somebody. Uh, but they were, they knew, that they felt the same way then that many people feel now. That for some people, they, they just, their clothes are their life. You don't believe me? Get around some of these kids. You don't believe me? You, you, you really want to punish your kids? I told my kids, I was snatching them Tims off your feet. I will send you to school in Bobos. Don't think I won't take them Jordans off your feet. Don't, don't think, I will, I will go to Walmart, I will get you a pair of $3 tennis shoes. Listen, I did that one time until I found out he had his friend meeting him uh, uh, before first period. Bring, his buddy was bringing a pair of J's so he could slip them on. I'm like, oh, y'all trying to be slick. I will find you out. But for some people, they put a lot of value on their clothes. Anybody believe that? If you don't believe that, you ain't seen the price of clothing today. Uh, but this, this was them uh, laying down their prized possessions. They were giving up their pride. They didn't have a lot back then. For some of them, all they had was the clothes on their back. 
But this is a picture, this is an example of if you want Jesus to come into where you are, you got to lay down something that you care about. I wonder if, if we just started with Evelyn went all the way around the room, when I got to you, if I said, what have you laid down that you care about for the Lord to come into your situation? See, if you're saved for real, if you're loving God and serving God for real, you got a long list of stuff you laid down. Started with your life. You had to lay down your pride. You had to lay down a lot of different things. They laid down what they had. Not only did they lay something down, number two, uh, they cut something down. Say cut. Verse 8 says, uh, because some had laid, laid their garments down in front of him, they made a path, they rolled out the red carpet for him. There's the process to getting him to show up. They roll out the red carpet. Verse 8 tells us others cut down branches off the trees. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've always been bivocational in ministry. I've always worked outside the church. I've always had multiple streams of income. For a long time, I did lawn maintenance. And I've cut down a lot of palm branches in life. I'm going to tell you, cutting down palm branches is work. Now, I understand. Don't freak out. Don't, don't all freak out at once. I understand in this generation, work's a four-letter word. Well, it's always been a four-letter word, but it's a dirty word. Listen, uh, this is work. Say work. Now, there's a lot of commentary on why they cut down palm branches. There were other type of branches they could have cut down. But they cut down palm branches, and in this time, uh, palm branches signified power. Palm branches signified righteousness. Palm branches were the national symbol of their government. The, the national bird for America, uh, somebody over 20, tell us. <laughs> yeah, why they got to be over 20? Y'all know these teenagers don't know the bald eagle. Uh, well, mine does. Well, you're special. Let's keep moving. The, the, the palm branch, just like the eagle is the national symbol of our country, the palm branch was the national symbol of their government at their time. Listen, their money had a palm branch stamped on it. Palm branches were big, and there's a lot of commentary on why palm branches. Why did they lay down palm branches? I, I, I don't want to spend time talking about what, what that might have represented. I mean, we could say they were giving up their allegiance to Rome because that's what the government was stamped with to, to follow him as king. They, they could be doing away with the old to embrace the new. They could be saying that uh, because palm branches signified power that he was powerful. Uh, th there's a lot of ways we could go with that, but I don't want to focus on the palm branches. I, I want to focus on the cutting, say cut. How'd they get the palm branches down? They cut them down. Listen, go ahead and go, go into somebody's yard. Make sure you know them before you do it. Uh, and, and, and just grab a palm branch and pull it off. How's that going to work for him, Jason? <laughs> you ain't doing that. You ain't, it, this, this ain't like no tree. You know, if you, if you take a tree branch and you bend it just right, and you kind of peel it down. That ain't working for no palm branch. That's not you. You just, you just go, go. Here's the thing. Do this. Make sure you have gloves on or tell somebody you don't like to do it. Uh, go grab that palm branch and rip that up out the ground for me in one giant tug. That hand is coming away damaged. Okay? Uh, it takes effort. Say effort. They had to cut these palm branches down. Uh, I, I, I want you to get the point. The point is, if you want God to show up in your life, not only do you have to give up something, not only do you have to take something that you value and lay it down for the Lord, but you also have some work to do. Cutting down palm branches is work. Most people don't like the concept of work. 
I, I, I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of studying. Um, it, it is crazy. We have a generation of young people in the workforce today that don't want to work 40 hours a week. They, they, they want to work from home, and they don't want work. Listen, you ready for this? They don't want work to interfere with their passion. Uh, well, uh, I'm not saying you should let work interfere with your passion, but don't expect me to front the bill for it if you're not willing to work for it. Uh, work has been conflated in recent times uh, to mean something that it doesn't mean. Work is not bad. Work is not a negative. Work is not a punishment. Work is not something that God did because man sinned in the garden. God gave human beings work to do before there was sin in the garden. Work is to be done. Uh, it's part of living. And I'm going to tell you this. You've heard me say it before. You don't know what a blessing work is until you break your back and your neck and you can't do the work that you wish you were able to do. Until you realize that you got to depend on other people to do stuff that you've always done yourself, you don't realize what a blessing work is. But I want you to get this this morning. Work is a blessing. And work for the Lord is a requirement. If you want God to show up in your life, you got to lay something down. But you also got to do some work. If I, if, I started, if I started on this side with Carmelita, worked all the way around to the very back. And I came to you and I said, what type of work do you do for the Lord? Uh, 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 well, right now, uh, uh, oh, right now. That's like if you ask somebody, uh, where, where, where do you live? Now, you know, there's a different way to say that. <laughs> the white guy. The white guy. The whitest white guy in the room. This guy, this guy is, is, is squared on a right angle ruler. Uh, did did y'all hear what he said? Where you stay at. I didn't know that expression until they bust me from my home in Country Creek on Normandy Boulevard to King's Road at James Weldon Johnson, and that, that was the most common question because busing was heavy at that point, and that was the year they started busing in Jacksonville, and everybody wanted to know, where you stay at? Where you stay at? Uh, how'd we get on that? I need sleep. <laughs> if... Here's the, if I ask you, what do you do for the Lord? How do you serve the Lord? Um, if somebody answers with, well, right now, I'm, uh, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, get myself. That's like if you ask someone, where do you live? Where do you stay at? And they say, well, if it starts with, well, right now, oh, here, here comes, why, why is it? Well, right now, I'm, 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 I'm kind of staying with my, with my parent. Well, right now, I'm, I'm staying with a friend, helping out with their dog right now. Let's just go ahead and own that thing. Hey, man, I'm living free in my brother's house. Own it where you are. You, 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 you. When I ask you, though, where do you serve God, do you have a better answer than, well, right now, I'm currently not really doing anything? Uh, listen, if you can't say amen, at least say ouch. Let me know you're awake. Uh, there's work. If you want God to show up in your life, please don't come to my office with that. With that, Pastor God, I just don't understand. I just don't understand. I feel like God's let me down. Everything's going bad. I just don't. I just don't get it. I, my kids—they're all in prison. And my, my husband's struck out on job. And, and when I ask you, well, first, are you saved? Okay. Well, let's get past that. Well, second, uh, where where are you currently serving God in ministry? 
Because when I just do everything I can and it's still not working out. You do everything you can, but you don't serve God in ministry. You do everything you can, but you don't read your Bible every day. You do everything you can, but the only time you come to church is when you feel like it. Oh, man. Where, where, look at Elder Jimmy sitting all the way in the back holding, holding babies. Uh, you almost got that call today, bro. Uh, dude, I, I was just going to dude. Dude, how many of y'all know you, you got to start every conversation with Elder Jim? Dude, dude, how much, how, how much y'all heard that, sons? Uh, dude, 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 you almost got that call today. When I woke up and I realized I didn't know what time it was, uh, you almost got that call. But where do you serve God? It's a privilege and an honor to serve God. It's a, God's giving you gifts and talents. You need to find out what they are and use them for his glory. They worked for the Lord. What are you personally doing to prepare the way for the Lord to show up? If you're not laying something down for him, if you're not doing some kind of work for him, you're not even into your process of getting him to show up. Don't come tell me I I, I need God to show up in my life because I'm going to ask you, are you doing the right things to get him to show up? Because he already said he resists the proud. He already said he's far from the unrighteous. He already said even the prayers of of the people that don't serve him is an offense to him. So there's a process, say process. Third thing, they lifted something up, say lift. In verse 9 of Matthew 21, the scripture says, He was in the center of the procession, and the crowds all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God. In the highest heaven. These are all newer ways to say that one word, Hosanna. But they lifted up their voice and they praised the Lord. They lifted up something. They lifted up their voice. Say voice. Some of y'all think your personality exempts you from doing what God called you to do. And I need you to eradicate that bad thinking. Your personality does not exempt you from doing what God said. That's like one of your kids, you tell them to take out the trash, and they say, well, Dad, I really think that my brother's more ideally suited for trash gathering, and personally, my passion. Stop adding syllables to words, okay? Leave that to the Crazy Valley people on TV. It's my passion. Really? Uh, That's so cute. How many many syllables you want to put in a four-letter word? Uh, uh, Yeah, y'all, see, y'all stare at me like that. Y'all throw me off. Your personality does not exempt you from doing what God said. I've had people tell me, Pastor Scott, I don't want you to think I don't love the Lord. I know sometimes uh, you, you, you probably catch me. Uh, I, you know, I, I never say amen. I never raise my hand. I never smile in church. I, I, I never get excited in the praise and worship. But that's just my personality. Well, your personality does not exempt you from doing what God said. God now, now, now watch this. I'm, I'm, I'm going to show y'all rebellion in its highest form. I want to show y'all hatred in its highest form. I want to show y'all independent spirit that refuses to follow instruction in its highest form. The Bible says this. Lift your hands in the sanctuary. So I'm going to give you a chance to be real biblical right now. I want everybody to lift at least one hand will be hands. Lift your hands in the sanctuary. Now, I'm not going to look right at you because you didn't raise your hand. 
But I thank you for making my point. I thank you for making my, I ain't doing, it's not my person. I don't, I'm not into, I'm not in, I already told y'all, some of y'all in trouble if you ever get robbed. <laughs> Just in trouble. But, 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 because when Ray Ray says, put your hands up, fool. Not me, dog. I'm Methodist. <laughs> we don't do that. You must have had me confused for one of them holy rollers. Bang, 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 bang. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> bang. Oh, I did it. Did I say that out loud? Oh. They lifted something up. It didn't say the ones who were outwardly demonstrative, the ones whose personality led them to be shouters. It didn't say the ones who were big mouth, loud people. Uh, it, they, they all lifted up their voice and praised him. It's not about, uh, some of y'all have heard the story. When I, when I first uh, went, went to my first service at Bishop Church, he, he and I went out to eat afterwards. Him and I had been studying the Bible together for, for a couple of weeks. I finally showed up to a service, and he's like, well, what would you think? I'm like, oh, my goodness, man. The music was off the chain. The people, so nice. The message, man, you've been the greatest preacher I ever heard. Uh, I, and, and then I told him this. I said, but all that booty swaying and rocking, all that butt bumping and grinding, that just ain't me, man. I, I, I'm too white and too tight in the sphincter for all that. He said, let me show you something, boy. He said, it has nothing to do with the melanin or the strength of your sphincter that you won't move your body, lift your hands, and dance in the presence of the Lord. It's not about your personality. He said, it's about your exposure and your willingness to do what God has commanded you to do. And I thought, well, that is real because there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that tells us to do. And a lot of, well, you know, I'm just one of those. I'm more quiet and subdued. You be all as sedity as you want to be. But when you come to church, the Bible says a lot. It says stuff like clap your hands. It says stuff like shout to the Lord. It says stuff like celebrate. It says stuff like rejoice. Uh, I feel bad for some of y'all's kids. Now, y'all know I don't even show up to these award ceremonies because I don't believe in them. I don't. Y'all do y'all. Uh, third grade award. Every kid in the class gets an award. Your kid got an award as a best smiler. You know what that means, don't you? Junior wasn't good enough to get no other award, so they made some up on the flip for Junior. I don't go to that because I don't want my kid getting that award in front of me. Uh, uh, so I'm not into all that stuff, but if you go to those awards and you're as sedity at your award ceremony as you are in church, I feel bad for Junior. Because y'all know, huh, Bubba's mom, it don't matter how many times the principal, this could be at a graduation where you're supposed to celebrate, it, it don't matter how many times the principal says, now, let us all be mindful, we have many students today, and everyone's going to walk across the stage, we're going to call their name, and please be mindful that everyone would like to hear their student's name called, so let's hold our applause. Until the end, and we'll all clap together. <laughs> so Diddy people are sitting there thinking, well, fantastic. I didn't want to bruise my hands. Bubba's mom, <laughs> Bubba's mom, 
brought the cowbell off the cow's neck. Bubba's dad didn't want to go buy a rattle, but he brought his old half-broken socket set, and he's just going to spin a wrench in the air. Now coming, William Thurgood III, Mary Beth Phillips, Bubba Ray John. Bubba! Bubba! Now I used Bubba because the white guy spoke out. I could have said Tequisha. I could have said Jamal. That's an inside joke. There are people that are willing to celebrate. Well, I'm just more reserved. Really? Really? You, 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 go, you go to your team against your hated rival, show up to the Gator Seminole game. And, you know, when, when, when the Seminoles think they got that on lock, when, 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 the, when the choke at Doak is going on, every Sadiddy Gator fan in the world was standing up, high-fiving strangers, speaking in tongues out of football stadium. Just says, I don't know, you know, what? I don't know, why? <laughs> Lifting up their voice for Bubba, Tequisha, Jamal, Ray Ray, Pookie and them, all of them, celebrating stuff, but come to church and act like, well, my personality, this is not that loud. The Bible says get loud in the house of God. You got to open up your mouth. You want God to show up in your life? You better lift something up. If I asked you right now, unless you've been through our series on praise, what praise really is, if I asked you right now, how do you praise the Lord? The number one answer I've gotten through the years, tell them what it is. I praise the Lord how? In my heart. This is, this is the most unbiblical answer that you'll... Well, well, you tell me, how do you praise the Lord? Well, Pastor Scott, to me, it's a personal thing. And I praise the Lord in my heart. Uh, you can't do that because praise is a verb. It, 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 it's not a concept. You, you can worship God on the inside, but praise is demonstrative. Praise is significant of an action. I told you all before, it'd be like if you told me that you like to go fishing. I said, oh, fishing? What? Fishing? Fishing? Yeah, fishing's my thing. I love to fish. And you're like, oh, really? You like fresh water or salt water? If I looked at you and said, oh, you mean like touching bait? I like on a, no, I'm too too white to get out in the sun and do all that. No, I fish in my heart. If you're smart, that's when you start backing up. Nice meeting you, bro. No different than you gym rats. You start talking about uh, stacking plates and lifting weights. You start talking about moving moving steel and, and working out. And I'm like, what? Working out? That's me. Now, I'd have to be on the phone to pull that off. But if, if I, oh, I love working out, man. I'm about it. And they're like, oh, really? Well, you know, are, are, are you are you more focused on your cardio? That's somebody saying you're fat. Uh, um, or are you, you, you using machines? Uh, I, well, what? You mean like showing up at a gym with sweaty, smelly, place smell like dead socks? 
uh, you know, I, no, no, I lift weights in my heart. That's when you need to back up and walk away and know people are crazy. Listen, you telling me you praise God in your heart? You don't do verbs in your heart. Go ahead. Go ahead and tell your kids, yeah, I'm going to cook dinner for y'all in my heart. It's not how you do an activity. You have to do something, so do something. You, m- most people haven't been taught that praise is demonstrative. Pray. The Bible says lifting your hands is a form of praise. The Bible says clapping your, your hands is a form of praise. The Bible says shouting to the Lord is a form of praise. Singing together is a form of praise. Let me tell you what the New Testament says about praise. In Hebrews 13, 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. If your mouth is not opening up, and, and, and sound coming through your lips, giving thanks to his name, you don't praise him. You don't praise him. If you won't lift up your voice and let your mouth praise him, then you don't praise him. I want you to know, if you want God to show up in your life, you got to open your mouth. Say, open it. Psalm 22, 3 says, God inhabits the praises of his people. You want God right in the middle of your stuff? Start praising him. He will show up. I'm going to ask you this. What type of preparation did you make? Coming into this place this morning for the Lord. What, 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 what did you prepare? Now, now, if you can say, oh, Pastor Scott, I woke up rejoicing. Oh, Pastor Scott, I, I woke up, I, I spoke to the Lord before my feet touched the ground. Oh, Pastor Scott, I had quiet time before I came to church. Pastor Scott, I made out my check and thank God for increase to be able to invest in his kingdom and obey his biblical principles. Oh, Scott, Pastor Scott, I was so excited when I pulled up into the parking lot. I was just looking for a hand to shake and a neck to hug. Oh, Pastor Scott, I was so excited. Even though I didn't like any of the songs that were picked out, I was singing and rejoicing because I'm just so, well then, okay. You're, you're laying stuff down. You're giving stuff up. You're, you're lifting stuff up. You're, you're doing all those things. But there's a fourth thing that they did. Let me say this when we get out of here. They told the world who he was. They told the world who he was. In our text in uh, Matthew 21.10, the Bible says, When he came to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? It's a big commotion. They want to know what's going on. Who that is? No S in that word at all, by the way. Two, two, two letters. Yeah, we, 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 we talk about Mary Beth make, making three syllables out of the word cute. How, how, how about make, making one, one sound out of the two-letter word I-S? Because it is. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Who is it? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. They told the world who their king was. And we need to do the same thing that they did. Jesus showed up in the very middle of their situation because they did the right activity. You wonder why God's not involved in your present day life? You're not doing the right activity. You wonder why God's not showing up in your finances? You're not doing the right activity. You wonder why God's not showing up in your home? You're not doing the right activity. You wonder why God doesn't feel present in your vehicle as you drive down the road? You're not doing the right activity. you got to prepare a pathway for his coming. The last thing they did, they told the world who their king was, and we need to do the same thing that they did. We need to be speaking the name of Jesus everywhere we go. Well, they don't let them, me do that on my job. Listen, I got two things to say about that. Don't be that lazy, fake Christian 
who spends all your time witnessing on the job and not doing what they hired you to do. I've employed those fools and fired them. Well, I was just evangelizing the customer. Uh, listen, son, we're here to cut the grass at this apartment complex, not talk to the people in bikinis at the pool. When I was inviting her to church, well, you need a new job. I didn't pay you to come out here and evangelize. Don't, don't, don't be lazy on your job, but don't fear to speak the name of Jesus when the situation is appropriate. It's crazy to me. You will, I've seen it. It just drives me crazy. I could be standing in line at the kangaroo on 103rd Street. Y'all know how long that line is. I'd be nine deep in there. Somebody sneeze at the front register. Three people in line lean around. God bless you. I'm thinking, ain't this a country? You tell a stranger, God bless you for sneezing, which is bad theology, false theology, birthed out of cultism. Uh, study why you tell people God bless I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying that that's, that's, that's the root of it. People will tell a stranger, God bless you, when they sneeze. Oh, that's all acceptable. That's all fine. That's, all, we, 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 that's what we do. But if you just walk by somebody in the Walmart, hey, ma'am, God bless you. Then her husband like, what you, you talking to my woman? No, what, uh, we're scared to death just to say, you, you got to wait on. Yeah, I sure hope somebody sneezes today because I'd sure love to say God bless you to somebody. You need to open up your mouth and speak up for God on the regular. You need to let Jesus' name come out of your mouth. When they want to know who this is, the people weren't scared to say it because they needed him to show up. And we need to make sure we're ready for him to show up today in our own life. So let me ask you four questions. I know I've been long, but I'm done with this. Have you laid anything down for the Lord? You need to lay your life down. You need to lay your pride down. You need to lay your possessions down. Listen, you need to lay down your belief that you already know everything and can't be taught anything. You need to lay down your religious concepts and embrace the truth of this book about our great God. Not only have you laid anything down, are you working diligently for the Lord? The Bible says God blesses hard work. The Bible says lazy people come to poverty, but he blesses the hand of the diligent, hardworking people. What are you doing to serve the Lord? Everybody in this church ought to be involved. We'll give you an opportunity. Saturday at 1 o'clock, come show up. We're going to vacuum some floors. We're going to lay some mulch. We're going to do some stuff to pretty this place up. Give you a chance to work. You, you want to do something? We got people serving right now in the nursery, doubling up. Was in there last week, in there again this week. Why? Because not enough people volunteering for the nursery. We got people doing the same thing in children's church. We got same people doing the same thing in youth ministry. Get involved. Do something. You want God to show up in your life? There's some work to be done. Not only those questions, but are you lifting up your voice? To praise the Lord. Are you screaming, he's my king? Are you speaking his name? Is, are, are you giving thanks to him? Hebrews tells us that real praise is our mouth giving thanks to God. You need to get a thank you Jesus lifestyle. That ought to be your go-to. Not, oh my God. That's, you hear that all the time. Oh Lord. You hear that all the time. What it needs to be replaced with is, thank you, Jesus. Go ahead and hit your hand. Go ahead and hit that thumb. Ooh, that th hit that thumb with a hammer. I tell you what, you, I bet you got a black nail on you somewhere right now. He does. That, he, he, he says it's because I work hard. Quit hitting, quit hitting the wrong stuff with a hammer. Hit your thumb with a hammer 
And instead of cussing, say what? Thank you, Jesus. I still got feeling in that thumb. That's about 38 more seconds. <laughs> it's going to throb its way to numbness. Start just saying it. This is worth you being here today to hear this. Start saying, thank you, Jesus. Let that be your lifestyle. Let people know, oh, that's that thank you, Jesus, dude. Well, that's a whole lot better than what they've been calling you. Trust. Open up your mouth. Are you lifting up your voice? Last question. Are you telling the world who he is? It's the last thing they did. They told them all. That's my king. That's Jesus. That's the prophet. That's, that's Jesus from Nazareth. He's riding in on, just like the Bible said. You need to start broadcasting God, who he is, what he's done. You made the wake-up list this morning. You're not in prison today. You're not in the hospital today. You're, you're mostly in your right mind today. Thank God we're all clothed today. Have you thanked him for anything? Don't, don't answer out loud, but just in your mind. I just, want, I just want you to either be able to celebrate what God has done for you today or realize that you've coming up short and changed. Have, have, you, have you? Don't answer. Don't answer out loud. Think about it in your mind. Have you spent time today saying out loud, thank you, Jesus? Has, have your ears heard your voice say, thank you, Jesus, today? You need to become a thank you, Jesus person. And you need to tell the world who your king is. Next Sunday's Easter. But you don't have to wait until Easter to celebrate resurrection. Next Sunday's Easter. I want you to invite somebody this week to come out to church. I'm going to have an evangelistic message next week. We're going to talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want you to invite every person you know saved and lost to come to church. And we're going to celebrate our king next week. But right now, I want you to ask yourself, are you doing anything on your end to prepare for him to show up in your life other than complaining? Are we good at that? Other than arguing? Are you doing anything in your life other than pointing out everything you don't like? See, that doesn't prepare for his coming. That prepares for him resisting. I want you to get to the place where you're rolling out the red carpet every minute of your day for the Lord to show up in your life. I want you to get to the place in your life where you're, you're laying stuff down for him, you're, you're working for him, you're cutting stuff, up, you're lifting stuff up, you're, you're broadcasting his name, you're thanking him all the time, you're praising him, you're telling the world who he is. But for those things to happen, you've got to know who he is. You can't introduce me to someone accurately unless you know their name. You can't adequately introduce me to someone even unless you know something about them. So my question in closing today is, do you really know the Lord? Not church. Not religion. Do you know the Lord? Do you know Jesus Christ in a very personal way? Can you say what the hymn writer says? That he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I'm his own. Do you know for sure? That if you stepped out into eternity today, 
that you'd be in heaven? Do you know for sure if you closed your eyes on this side that you would really open your eyes up in heaven? Do you believe that heaven is real and is Jesus real to you? See, everybody believes in Jesus. He's the most talked about person in the history of the world. More books have been written on him than any other figure that ever existed. Everybody believes that Jesus is. But do you believe that he died, was buried, and rose on the third day as payment for your sins? Because the Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you can be saved. All you have to do is call on him. You don't have to walk an aisle. You don't have to shake my hand. You don't have to say a special prayer. We don't have to vote you into acceptance of a church for you to be truly saved. But you do have to get to the place where you are done with everything else and you're ready for God in your life. Too many people have walked aisles, prayed prayers, shook hands, and didn't get really saved. Well, I thought that's what we're supposed to do. No, the Bible says that you'll only find God when you search for Him with your whole heart. Some of you are holding on to an hour you walked. Some of you are holding on to a prayer that you prayed. Some of you are holding on to a religious decision that you made. But the Bible says the true evidence of your salvation is that your life has been changed. Do you love Him for real? Do you know that He loves you? If you're not sure about your salvation, all the hard part's been done by God. He suffered and he bled and died and he rose from the dead by his own power so that we could have life. And if you believe that Jesus died for your sins and you're ready for him to be your Savior, you should ask him today because the Bible says whoever calls on him, he'll save them. If you call on him out of 100% desire, recognition that you need him, he will come into your life like a flood. And he would change you. I walked aisles when I was a kid. I prayed prayers. I joined churches. I got baptized multiple times. And none of it was ever salvation for me. It wasn't until I came to a place in my life where I got down on my knees and I said, God, I want you to be real to me for real. I want to love you. I want to serve you. I want to be a real Christian. If you're not really, and see, some people are confused, but they're, they're even worse, some of you know. It is not well with your soul. Some of you know you're not truly what you would classify all the way saved. Well, what are you waiting on? This is the day of the Lord, the Bible says. The Bible says don't harden your heart like they did in the old times. If you hear the Lord calling you, you ought to respond. If you believe God wants you to be saved, I want to see you before you leave this place today. I want to talk to you. you. I want you to pray right now. I want you just to ask God to save you, and I want you to tell me before you leave that, that you've asked God to save you. Or if you have questions, I'm going to stick around after church. You come and talk to me. But I want you to know this. God is real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Jesus not only was a real person, but he was God in the flesh. He never sinned. And he gave his life as a blood sacrifice so that our sin could be paid for. And you need to let that be real for you. I want God to show up in your life. You've got to do these four things to get God in the middle of your situation. Pray with me. God, thank you for being real. Thank you for process. Thank you for your word. God, I pray for every person in the room that's not saved, Lord, that you would give them an acute awareness right now of their need for true salvation. No matter how long they've been in church, no matter how many times they've claimed to be saved, God, if they're not truly born again, I pray that you would reveal that to them now 
and give them faith to believe in you. God, for those of us who are saved, I pray that you'd let us start laying more stuff down for you. Start lifting more stuff up for you. Start working more for your glory and start telling people your name. You're a good God. We do thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for us. We thank you, God, for giving your son for us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us wisdom to know that your way is right. Fill us with your spirit today, God, is my prayer. Give us zeal. Give us passion for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.